Welcome everyone to Video Game Fury. I am your host Tim. As always, I'm here to give you the latest and greatest in video game news, playthroughs, industry talk, and the continuing adventures of my journey as an aspiring game developer. I'm here to share that all with you today on this Friday, October 13, 2017. My birthday, no less. So, happy birthday to me. <laughs> Trying to pat myself on the head there, but it's an acknowledgement today. I'll be working during it, so there's that. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the latest in video games, and we got quite a few things on the docket today that are going to be of discussion. You know, we're going to start off the start off the show here with something a little bit controversial that has been kind of brewing these last few days, and people are kind of talking about on forums and Reddit's and whatnot. So, hate to start off with a little bit of a bummer and a controversy, but it's uh, it's on the mind for a lot of folks. So, right after the segments, uh, we'll be uh, we'll be talking about that. So, stay tuned. So, microtransactions. It's been something that's been in the limelight lately for a lot of games. There's a there's a kind of a understanding to an extent of why they exist now. You know. Games are still sixty bucks, even in this next generation. And you know, I kind of, you know, I understand from a developer or publisher standpoint, there's a lot of money that go into making a game, and uh, all the efforts and all the money that's to be paid out to the different uh, employees and uh, uh, contractors and, and the publisher itself to accommodate for all this uh, can get pretty hefty. So you you can understand why as as of late we've gotten some microtransactions and you know I I think tolerance has become the norm for this to the extent like if it's for like a skin or uh, a spray like if you think of Overwatch and the loot box system uh, you can either randomly wait for a loot box to drop on you as you level up or you can go and use real money to purchase the stuff but purely it's all purely cosmetic it doesn't give you an edge in the game when you're playing online with other folks. So we've kind of adopted this practice for a while. Where things are getting a little more controversial as of late is the use of microtransactions in single-player games for the purpose of progression. We've seen this in a couple of areas. One in the recently released game this week of Middle-earth Shadow of War. And it appears to be also creeping its way in uh, based on the beta that happened last weekend for Star Wars Battlefront 2. And that game's not scheduled to come out until next month. And it's... It's curious how they're going about this. They're basically... I mean, I don't know what it's called in, in Shadow of War, but I, I was reading Battlefront 2. You get these star cards that are basically equivalent of getting XP, experience points. And you use all, and when you, you would use that, and you could buy more, you get yourselves to certain levels, and and it's very, and, and as soon as people started hearing about that and seeing that in the beta in Star Wars, that a lot of the, th the Reddit threads started lighting up, like, why are we taking away the ability to naturally progress? And maybe that's not the right words. Of course, you can naturally progress the way you've always done it, like any other game, but. The option to actually go out there in single-player mode 
spend a few bucks on some XP crates or something to get yourself higher has created the controversy of well you're taking you're you're not forcing people to do natural regression, you're letting people take a different road that they really haven't earned, quote unquote. And I'm of two I'm of two minds of this. Again, microtransactions, like I said, at the top of the segment, you know, people are trying the developers and publishers are trying to find ways to make more bang for the buck, especially now with games becoming longer, big games becoming more of a service. Uh, to let people pay off longer than uh, the typical average game that uh, you, you finish the story and you're done. But it just, it's, I, I'm curious where the mindset was to create something like that as a means to uh, put it, as a means to make more money. Now, as you have the mind of uh, someone who's been playing games for 30 plus years, I can remember the old days of, you know, progressing hard and. Uh, you know, battling through tons of hard levels. I mean, just all you gotta do is think of your days in the NES and Super NES Genesis days. I mean, those games were really tough, and the designers made sure that you know you were you were getting a good challenge up until the very end, like any good video game should do. And I guess the other, that's the other thing that kind of strikes me. I mean, what, not just the fact that you have to buy it's but the the way they're describing it is called uh, pay to win. Is is the mentality people have with this with this mindset, and that's a good way to summarize it there. Where I also think it gets kind of frustrating as a more of a more of a larger issue is that you know, video games are just way getting way too easier nowadays. Now they're getting bigger, of course. There's tons of games that get to that level. GTA and Witcher Three come to mind, but the payoff kind of at the end just comes out pretty simple. And when you get to the fact that they're getting a lot more simpler, that it kind of makes you think, well, why even bother with this, uh, with these uh, XP crates and, and the ability to pay to win? You know, if you just put in the efforts as it is, it just becomes much easier as you get to the last levels. Like, I mean, I can think of a recent example like Horizon Zero Dawn. Fantastic game, visually impressive, great story, great characters, and, and everything. The last boss of the game, or the last stretch of the game, like it was not that hard at all. I mean, and granted, I I level capped, uh, I got up as far as I could, and did all the side quests, so that kind of helped a lot to get there. But it didn't become really much of a challenge at the end. Uh, and you've seen that just with a lot of today's current games, that uh, the challenge level as you get towards the end is just not there anymore. And obviously there's exceptions. You got you can think of you think of Dark Souls and Bloodborne uh that come to mind as games that really challenge you uh from end to end. Uh Cuphead is a recent example that I played real quickly that is is a challenge on a level by level basis. So it really begs the question like why is this even needed? Um I mean if we're gonna keep going down this path of, you know, making the games as casual as can be while you know, still taking advantage of the technology we have to make it visually stunning, you know, is it even necessary to have this stuff? I mean, and, I, and it, of course, but of course it speaks to the main issue that everyone has that I could agree with is like, hey, you know, you, you're getting into a game because you want to be a part of the story that's being told. You're interacting with it. You want to build with it like any good role-playing game or action-adventure game would have you do. You know, you 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 cheat the system by 
you know, by introducing these uh, these crates, these loot crates that are all about getting experience points to to give an advantage over another who's already putting in the hours and efforts to get to this point, and someone else is just slapping down money to get it. Now, in a way, I get to, now in, the, in that sense, I mean, Star Wars Battlefront Two, you know, its core is going to be multiplayer. I know it's got a single player story, but I'm sure that's just a small chunk of the gameplay that's going to be in it. So I guess I could see a little bit of uh, where the EA and uh, DICE is coming from when they're making this. Shadow of War just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it's primarily a single-player game. I hear there is multiplayer elements where you can storm each other's castles, but I don't see a need to introduce this pay-to-win philosophy in a primarily single-player game. Uh, it just doesn't click with me why... Uh, Monolith chose to go with this route. So I don't know, guys. Um, I hope this is not a trend that's going to have other developers and publishers follow. I just don't think it's healthy for the space we're in. You know, you know, game, like I said earlier, games are here because we want to be challenged. We want to naturally regress with the characters and go through this journey with them. Uh, like any other you know, movie or TV show that we're watching, we want to feel what they're going through as well. Just don't see paying to win a way, as a means to uh, help each other. Uh, as much as it may give the developers and publishers a financial benefit, I just don't know in the long run it's going to help anybody. It might really damage the trust that consumers like us uh, have in these guys when it comes to uh, the games that they're delivering to us. So we'll have to see how this plays out. It's a very interesting thing that's cropped up nowadays. Um, and like I said, I'd really love to know what the publishers, developers uh, were thinking when it comes to coming up with this concept. Let me know your guys' thoughts too about this. Leave a call in on the show uh, if there's any thoughts you have on the matter at hand that you know maybe it is a good thing that maybe I'm not thinking about. I'd love to hear your feedback on that as well. So we'll see again. We'll see how this plays out. But uh, I'm not sure it's a good trend. We'll just have to see. Let's check out my news this morning. And I called upon a game that seems to... Could be underrated hits here that I think people should keep on their radars. Uh, it's a game called Underhero. It's a, supposedly a 2D RPG. And it's a it's a, it's it's developed by a small studio for people like Paper Castle Games. Basically, it looks like it's playing off the inspirations of Paper Mario and Undertale. What I liked about this premise is that it's an RPG, more of a side scroller, based using timing based combat, which is where the Paper Mario kind of influence comes in. You basically uh, go about fighting enemies, and you have to time your attacks to the cue of music as it's going on and obviously the better you string those attacks the more damage and effects you can achieve the premise is interesting too like it's it's is basically saying it's in a fantasy world where uh the hero has actually failed in his quest to defeat the big bad villain and now it comes out that actually one of the villain's henchmen is teaming up with the hero who passed away his magic sword to take on this uh, particular bad guy. A lot of, uh, I checked out the demo quick, it's definitely got a lot of comedy and satire to it. And don't be fooled by the graphics, I mean, the graphics kind of come off as something that can easily come off as a mobile game, uh, like very kind of like shovelware-like. 
But I think this is something that will, you know, catch people's eyes here. Uh, it, it looks like for now it's uh, on Steam or coming out on PC. Uh, you can go check out the demo. It's available on itch.io called Underhero. So I'm going to check that out there. Uh, it's you know it's got a very basic premise, a uh, very nice uh, little animation style uh, uh, that that could be kind of kind of appealing there. But you know it's it's something I figure I keep on the radar. There looks like a lot of good mix of mini games and puzzles and side quests on top of the platforming combat, and uh, the story's got a nice little satirical beat. Uh, a nice change of pace too, being a villain henchman. When they were even saying here, like because you are a henchman. You have actually access to all the different villains, like headquarters and bases, where you can just interact with everybody there. You can even choose to attack them if you want. They won't attack you when they see you because they think you're one of them. But if you choose to make the first move, well, then all bets are off. So that's a nice little hook on an RPG standpoint, where uh, the book is, the book's been switched. It'll be curious to see why they have this henchman turn against uh, his uh, former master in the story, but, you know, that will be probably more fleshed out as they get closer to release. So go check it out. Under Hero is uh, the game. You can check out the trailer on YouTube if you want to check that out. Uh, and the demo, again, is on the itch.io site for, you know, your playing pleasure. Now, another story I came on just recently is quite, alarm quite an alarming one. And maybe, you know, in a way to kind of enforce the idea that, hey, cheaters never win. Came about a story from uh, uh, Epic Games here saying that they had went out and filed a lawsuit against two players in who were apparently accused of cheating in the latest uh, Fortnite Battle Royale mode that came out a few weeks ago. And you know this is something Epic had detailed for a while when the game came out, saying they wanted to make sure people understand that hey, you got to follow uh, the terms of agreements when it comes to how you play our games and, and the different modes inside it. And I guess they weren't joking around when they caught some a couple guys uh, cheating in the game here. Uh, the players, uh, they're being called Mr. Broom and Mr. Vraspeer are being accused of violating the terms of service and the end user license agreement by cheating in the Battle Royale mode. And more specifically, they're saying that the cheat is accused of modifying the game and infringing on Epic's copyright, and it's interesting too. They're like, you know, that they one would think they just randomly you know, picked them out of an audit or something here, like a like an IRS audit, if you will. But apparently, it looks like the two guys were associated with a website they found out that actually specifically aids cheaters, and it looks like they are going to be facing up to. $150,000 in charges for statutory damages based on the violation agreement, presuming they are convicted. Epic went out and wrote a statement on their blog saying, let's be straight for a second, nobody likes playing with cheaters. The company has stated that it will ban thousands of accounts, but it will also be exploring every measure to ensure these cheaters are removed and stay removed from Fortnite, Battle Royale, and the Epic ecosystem. And apparently those measures are going to include litigation, as is just foretold here. Now, obviously, this is not the uh, the first story of a game company going out against consumers who are accused of cheating and pursuing litigation at them. Uh, there have been stories about Blizzard and Riot Games also doing the same thing, with varying degrees of the success. 
But I think uh, this is this is this is big. This is saying something here. This is Epic telling their community at large that we're sending a strong message against any cheaters or potential cheaters that are thinking about doing this. That this is what we are actually going to mean what we say. And that's uh, that's that's a very interesting thing uh, to to see. I think you know we're we're seeing a lot of developers trying to crack down on the toxicity of. Uh, online play, whether it's uh, you know the cheating aspects of this game, you had the Overwatch developer guy uh, come on to a video saying, "Look, we're gonna make sure that if you're not playing well in our environment and if you're causing a mess for our community and not making it fun to play, we're gonna put strikes on you." And we hate to do that because you know we'd rather be focused on making content for the game, but we can't because we gotta moderate the community and make sure it's staying intact and fun to play. So there's a lot going on now. There, it's it, actually it's kind of refreshing to see the the developers taking uh, some time to really put focus on this. You know, it, it was more back in the day you just throw something out there in a the game and just go have at it with the occasional moderation for uh, you know bad comments or something uh, or bad or or bad play. But they. And you hate to see him do it because he, the, the Overwatch guy is right. I mean, these guys should really be focusing on the content, building out the game, upgrading it, putting in patches. But they have to carve out a part of their team to monitor the the online components of their games to make sure that no one is causing a ruckus and no one is violating terms of service. And unfortunately for these two guys, they are you know going down that road of of litigation where they could uh, be paying hefty fees as a result of this. So we'll see how that case goes here. But I think this case is, I think the story is a, a kind of a wake up call for, for all of us. And, you know, if we're thinking about, you know, pushing something our way that leverages, helps us be better players, but at the same time is against the company's policies. It's, you know, these guys are serious when it comes to, uh, pursuing this stuff, so keep yourselves in check there, and uh, we'll just see how the story plays out. And guess what, guys? We finally beat the Destiny 2 campaign. Woo, what a grind. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm all done with that. So I beat Gaul. I'm sure there will be some kind of variation of him coming up in the raid. I don't know, because I'm not that far yet. But if it's anything like Taken King, the way that ended, where uh, Oryx, you know, became a much bigger enemy to fight in the raid. I would not be surprised, especially with the way the game ended, that Gaul comes out in some shape or form that way, too. Kind of very excited to get to that. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting together with my clan at some point to work on that. But for now, campaign's done. Like I said in the last show, I mean, gameplay-wise, Bungie knows what they're doing. Very tight controls, great shooting, especially if you got headphones on. Just the sound of your your guns going off. Uh, I got some sweet little uh, some machine guns in my disposal, and, and the clicking of the the bullet sounds when you pull the trigger is just so sweet to hear. I know it sounds like a very minor detail, but you know I think those little details count, especially when you're going like an all-out war first-person shooter type of game. Story-wise, though, it was fine. I said it before. It kind of was like Vanilla Destiny with the first one. Maybe a little bit better, a little more focused. But, you know, I, I kind of had kind of had an issue with it from the time that, you know, when 
you first lose your light to Gaul and you lost the city and all of a sudden like 10 minutes later you find a, sh- a fragment of the shard out in the dark forest of the of the EDZ and then your light comes back and I'd be okay with it if we just got a little more details about you know where this fragment came from and why the traveler still exists in some capacity and what he's doing to make this stuff happen but you know, Bungie is really keeping the cards close to the chest here and really not getting into much detail. And it kind of makes me worry if they've actually really thought this through. I know they got a couple of DLCs coming out, one, the first one coming in December, that's going to have a little more story to it, but I don't know if it's going to talk about that. You know, I just feel like there, here's the story, and it's just very simple. You, you're, you're down, you come back up, and you work your way back to getting your team and make a final assault to claim back the city. You know, nothing that, nothing too unique. We've seen it before in tons of games, but, you know, story-wise, I just kind of, like, was like, eh. I mean, and, you know, they had... And some of the, the cutscenes, like, with Gaul were pretty cool. I kind of liked how they were trying to get more into the mind of the villain and what he's here for. Um, but all I got out of it was that he's just... Gaul's basically the guy who thinks that the light should have been his... You really don't get a sense of his backstory too much other than that and that his Red Legion have never been defeated before, which obviously means you're going to defeat them. <laughs> and they had, I mean, they had the guy, I mean, the, the, a lot of the, the chunks of those cinematics with him also involved the speaker because he kidnapped the speaker who speaks for the Traveler. You really didn't get much of him either. I mean, it was more... every And every scene that they brought back to them kind of focused on the same thing. The Gaul would ask, hey, what can I do to speak to the Traveler? Uh, the tra- and the speaker's like, oh, you don't speak to the Traveler. The Traveler speaks for us. And it just became like a very philosophical battle that didn't go anywhere. And the kind of way it ended, I just don't know what the the speaker's role is next. Like, you, I don't, I don't even see him when I claim back the city and, and that, that becomes like the social space again to pick up new weapons and missions. I don't even see him at all. So I have no idea what happened to this guy. And maybe I'm speaking too soon. Maybe I haven't done a side quest yet or a strike or something that answers those questions. But just a lot of un- unanswered questions that I feel like they didn't really get to in the story, which kind of disappointed me. But that said, I mean, the gameplay was great shooting shooting everything was great um visuals were just fantastic the variety of course was really great uh from the public events to some of the adventure modes uh, i i stumbled upon a couple of lost sectors that i thought were pretty cool uh try to take out some taken under there so i thought that was interesting as well so variety wise they're definitely stepping up the game they're not making the world as sparse as it is which i guess now explains why they didn't decide to put a sparrow uh, in your disposal at the beginning of the game. You actually get it as soon as the campaign's over, if you want, from uh, Amanda Holiday. So, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what's next. Uh, like I said, i still got a few adventure quests to start, uh, to do. You know, now that I've got my fire team back, uh, like Zavala, Akura, and Cade, I know they got a bunch of strikes they want to give me, challenges, patrols. The Lost Sectors continues to be intriguing. I'm going to continue to look out for those symbols and see uh, where things are. So there's a lot, of, a lot of ways to go, a lot of variety that's going to keep me going for a while. And obviously the goal for me is to get to a certain light level such that I can do the raid. I know we're at, I'm, I'm at around 222, 
is where I am right now. I'm about probably 50 light levels below the time I can actually join the raid. So, still got a while to go there, but I'm intrigued by at least the, the side missions. They're, they're, they definitely got at least enough variety to push me going, keep me going here, and, and see what's up. So that'll be what's, what's next for me, at least in Destiny 2. Um, I just recently downloaded Cuphead. I mentioned before I played the demo of it at New York Comic Con, and now that uh, now that I'm uh, now that I've downloaded to the system, I'll have more game time to play there. Maybe co-op with some folks here as well. My niece also had me download Rocket League because that seems to be the thing that kids are doing now, besides their hacky sex and Minecrafts. <laughs> so I got uh, I got a decent playthrough coming up this weekend uh, when I'm not uh, celebrating a birthday. So I'm looking forward to that. But I'm looking forward to more Destiny 2 as well. They have they at least have addressed the variety issue, even if the story didn't really end well at the end. So overall, good stuff. You know, Destiny 2 is still a great improvement from the initial launch of the first Destiny. You know, if they just had tightened up the story a little bit better and answered a little more questions, I probably would have been more forgiving of this. But you know, it is what it is at this point. I'm going to still keep playing, and I'm uh, I'm still looking forward to the next DLC that comes out in December. Uh, but for now, this will all keep me company. All right, that's going to do it for today, folks. Thank you for your time today. I do want to plug one thing that I have joined recently. Uh, I might have talked about it in the last show or two. I can't remember. My life is a blur at the moment. But I have joined... Uh, I'm, I work at a company called Salesforce, and they have a group called Fragforce that it's all a bunch of gamers, you know, PC gamers, console gamers, tabletop gamers... VR gamers, and they uh, are part of a group of a nonprofit called Extra Life, which is all about doing gaming marathons for the purpose of donating money to local children's hospitals. It's something that really intrigued me, and you know, I couldn't turn down playing more games, and I figured why not use those abilities and playing games to further a great cause. And uh, you know, I love I love kids. I've worked with kids before in uh, youth groups and and so on. Uh, this is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. And I figure, why not combine the two efforts into something worthwhile for the community that uh, and the and the hospitals that are doing what they can to take care of kids' pediatric needs. Um, so yeah, I've, I've joined it up here, and I just wanted to let you guys know that because I know there is a couple of. Uh, Gaming marathons we're setting up. Uh, Extra Life is declared November fourth to be game day, so they're hoping a lot of people can, you know, stream and do their marathons and take donations as they each group kind of hits tries to hit their goals for the year. We are coming up in the end of the year, of course, so that's why they're probably doing this. So yeah, I just wanted to get that out there for you guys that this is something that I'm I'm joining. I think it's really cool. Uh, it's a good use of the. Uh, of the, of the game skills to, to kind of help out with a bigger cause than by myself. And I'll give you guys more details as I get closer to that date. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to plan that out. I've honestly never streamed any games at all on online, like a Twitch stream. So this is all new to me. Uh, I'm open to any tips you guys have about how to set that up, if there's anything cool that you think that could be done to, to stand out. But I think for now... Just going to look forward to kind of learning how to set that up and prepare for this day because I think it's pretty cool to do. Plus, I got so many freaking games <laughs> to get through. Uh, why not 
make use of the time and get get those off the backlog too while the holidays screw me up with all these other new releases coming out. So that's just a little plug for you guys. Again, I'll give you more details as we get closer to the day. But uh, that is it for me today. Thank you for your time and hope you guys have a great weekend. You go and if you have any feedback, anything you want to say on the show here, please go ahead. Leave some call-ins on the show on the Anchor app, and you can find me on anchor.fm slash videogamefury if you want to listen to this and any other past episodes on there. Or you can just download me on iTunes and Google Play for downloading the podcast on the go. And you can check me out on Facebook, too, facebook.com slash videogamefury79. Occasionally there'll be a quick story I'll share on there that could become a further discussion point on the main podcast, so you can check out stuff on the Facebook page as well. That'll do it for me. Thank you guys once again for your time and your day. Hope you guys have a great day. And until next time, enjoy your games. <laughs>